Hello F1 fans and welcome to F1 On and Off the Track with Kim Illman. You can see his photos at ProStarPix.com, subscribe to his YouTube channel, or follow him on Instagram at Kim Illman. My name is Adrian, and in this episode we're talking about the upcoming Brazilian Grand Prix. Oi, that's hello in, in Brazilian? Portuguese. Portuguese. Portuguese, okay. yeah. Well, speaking of, what's the trip like to Sao Paulo? Extremely long from Perth. Of course, if you're in Europe, it's a little bit shorter. And if you're in America, it's even shorter, I imagine, still. And I was going to stay over in America and kill some time, but I thought I'll just get bored. So I came back to Perth and um, just got adjusted to the time zone. And now tonight I'm heading off again to, or not tonight, your time. Uh, When you're listening to this, it'll be last night. I'm heading off to Brazil via Dubai, which is a heck of a long flight, two flights, it is what it is. If you mm. want to get there, you've got to go to where they're having the races. They don't come to me. How is Brazil in general when you're there? I like it. I like the people. I don't like much the Sao Paulo traffic. That's pretty ordinary, especially when um, in peak hour. But I've got a great taxi driver there. I found her last year, and she would pick me up every morning from the hotel, and then she would pick me up at the track at exactly the right time, and she'd arrive half an hour early. I'd just walk out there, and she'd find me. But really lovely people. Probably going to spend um, nine nights there before I go to Abu Dhabi for the last race. Might even go and have a look at Rio de Janeiro. But in general, if you can get around the safety issues, it's fantastic. But look, I've never had a problem. Uh, I know that last year, Mercedes-Benz did have that issue where they were held up outside the track, one of their cars. And I think a lot of guys got their laptops stolen. But you do have bulletproof cars and I imagine all the teams will have that, and certainly the drivers, they'll be very careful in their movements, have security guards. I'm not sure, somebody asked me on an on a Instagram post yesterday whether they're armed, and I, I don't know. I, I, if they're local guys, maybe, but certainly any of the guys that travel as security with F1, I don't think, would be armed. Uh, and look, you'd have to be unlucky, but see, around the track, when you come out of the track, I don't think I'm telling you anything secretive here, there's, there's only one road to take out of the track for us, and it's one way, and I think they were just nabbed last year, the Mercedes people, at the lights. But I believe that was because the police had gone home early that night and they'd left late. But that's what happens. If you've got lots of police around, there's a big presence, I think you're pretty safe. But, yeah, uh, certainly everyone's on high alert. And one of the factors uh, that's interesting about drivers arriving is that they come in in their civilian mm. clothes. And uh, that's a great opportunity for us to get shots we would never get throughout the rest of the year. In fact, there is no other race where they don't come in dressed in logo clothes, yeah. certainly on the Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And sometimes they come in uh, plain clothes. Kimia often comes in in just all black on the Thursday. So there, there are opportunities there for us and uh, we will take them with great delight. What are the accommodation options around the area like then? Uh, a raft of very ordinary to very high end. Okay. And not too badly priced. You know, like for the very top hotel, you pr- could probably only get a, a mid-range hotel in some of the European cities and areas like Spa. Um, you've got to pay crazy money to get a good hotel there because there are so few of them. And the teams and the drivers tend to snaffle them up. But lots of hotels, great food if you like that Brazilian barbecue thing. And mm. I went there once and had a, it didn't, didn't appeal to me, but I know a lot of people like it where they bring the barbecue meat out on a skewer and they just cut you off a bit at the table. And it's a real local delicacy. How's the weather then for the race usually? Well, this is the rainiest season, I think. And we've, we've had rain in the past. Uh, it's not cold. It's certainly not going to be anything like 
Mexico. My God, that was cold. <laughs> was it Mexico? No, it was Austin. Yes. Mexico was balmy. Austin was frigid. But, uh, yeah, I think we're going to be fine. I had a look today, and it was anywhere from 12 degrees to 27 okay. for this race. And then the one after, it was about 14 to 32, which is a nice temperature range. I'm, I'm more than happy with 14 to 27. I think that's my ideal. How do the Brazilian fans compare to other races? Uh, very enthusiastic. Uh, look, we don't see them that f- that many fans, and there's not that many grandstands. Certainly when you get down to the back of the track that runs along uh, the housing estate, there are no stands there. So when we go and photograph down there, there's really only probably, apart from the marshals, there might be 25 photographers get to see what's going on down there. So it's pretty much you get it all to yourself. But uh, yes, in the stands, they are uh, quite colourful. And okay. I'll tell you what I did notice last year was they had one of those samba bands and dancers on the track after uh, the race when the podium was going on. And that was a real buzz. That that made me all tingly to, to look at this and see everybody having some fun. And I think they had a couple of dancers up on stage. It was either last year or the year before. And um, Lewis, I'm pretty sure, got down and danced with them. And I remember <laughs> taking some photos. And that's colourful stuff to photograph and just shows the local culture. And I don't think they should be too boring in this sort of sport. So when they do that sort of thing, yeah, it's great for us photographers. I think it's great for anyone watching on television at home. And adds colour to a sport that needs it. Seems to make it a bit more festive and like a festival than a than like just a, a carnival. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, they don't go quite the lengths that they go to a carnival. That would be interesting, <laughs> but they've got rid of grid girls, so I can hardly see them bringing that sort of thing back. But uh, yeah, I, I do like the place. I like the people. We have to be very careful with our stuff in the media centre. We have to lock it all up after each race, so it's a bit like Italy and Mexico. Uh, just to be sure, um, some races you can leave everything out and you're 100% safe, but there have been a couple of instances in the past where stuff's gone missing. So everybody just plays it safe. So where is the track located and what's the track itself like? It's about, uh, I'm thinking, half an hour out of the centre of town. It's in a residential area uh, built up all around it. There are some, I don't know whether it's a favela, I don't think it is. It's, it's just some... Um, modest homes running along one section of the track and we get that uh, shot where we can pan with the cars and get some of those homes visible in the background and no fence and on the the opposite shot of that coming back is a beautiful shot where you shoot up and up a hill you get grass in the foreground car sky and they're so pure those shots it's a bit like in Austria, when you get the grass in the foreground, the car, and then the, the deep green forest behind, this is a similar shot, but with sky. And although you do have to make a fair trek to get out there, and you are probably going to take 20 minutes, 30 minutes to get there, um, spend most of the session there. And in fact, you have to spend all the session there because you can't get back until after the, the session has finished. So it's an investment of time. And as a result, you get some nice pictures. So is getting around the track a little more tedious then? Yes, you've got to do a lot of walking. There is no bus from memory, but it's not a, not a huge track from end to end. You can do it on foot. There is one shot, and I talk about this in my video that's coming up on YouTube on uh, Friday. It's a shot of Valtteri Bottas coming up the hill into the pits. Now, I love that shot, and uh, the shot that I talk about, you can only take, or I can only take, 
uh, on race day when the cars are doing um, their warm-ups prior to going onto the grid because I need to be on the pit wall and I need to shoot the cars coming up into the pit lane. Now, I can't get onto the pit wall because there's only, I think, six tabards made available and they're made available to the biggest agencies around the world. And if you've got that tabard during any of the practice sessions or the race or quality, you're fine. But we can get onto that pit wall when the cars are doing their pre-warm-up prior to going on the grid. And I certainly look out for that shot because you can see under the car and above it, you see these beautiful flags. Uh, it's, a, it's a picture postcard photograph. Are there any other notable shots or backgrounds? There's lots of trees that you can shoot through. I'm not really good shooting through trees, but there are a couple of guys like Clive Mason specialises. If there's a tree there, he'll find it and he'll shoot through (laughs) it and you'll get blur in the foreground of the trees and the leaves and the car sharp, hopefully, in the background. There's a shot at turn one on the outside when you can get this um, lovely effect on the left-hand side of the fence, which blurs as it goes out of focus behind the car and the car's on the... Uh, the rumble strip, the curbing, and that's a lovely photo. And then, of course, they do a left and a right. And I was down there last year. Was it last year when Esteban Ocon cleaned up Max Verstappen? Oh, I wished I was in the pit lane afterwards when they had their push and shove. Mm. That would have been some great pictures, but uh, I I think they've probably forgotten about that now. And uh, good to see Esteban coming back into F1 in um, next year. He might even be testing, I think, in Abu Dhabi after the last race. Talking about that uh, clash between Verstappen and Esteban, I believe Verstappen had to do some community service because of the <laughs> yeah. Yes, the, the he beef. did. You've been doing your reading. Yeah, that was a funny thing. And I, I, I did see his report after he'd done that community service too, how he was happy to go and do that. And I think it was F1 community service where he went and talked to people and did a bit of promotion. <laughs> he didn't have to pick up rubbish off the side of the road, but he did have to go and do some unpaid work for uh, Formula One. Yeah, but... Uh, that was a funny incident, wasn't it? Mm. Funny to watch. You wouldn't have thought that. And then in the press conference, remember they asked him what happened and he said, oh, Ocon was a pussy. That was his response. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether he meant he didn't fight back or what. But um, Max would can suggest that uh, Esteban was giving him a bit of lip afterwards in the, uh, and I think that was in the FIA garage. But certainly... Uh, Uh, An interesting event, and it happened right in front of me. I think I was shooting at way too slow a shutter speed Mm. to have captured anything worthwhile. I I got a shot, but it wasn't terribly sharp, but I've got some record of it. Is community service a common... I've never heard of it. Never heard of it. But hey, I've only been doing it three years, so uh, don't expect to know everything. How often do incidents like this occur? Would you know? Like that? uh, In my time, I can't think of too many like that where somebody's probably made an error and caused great angst to somebody mm. else. Most of them are just driving incidents. I think this one was particularly bad because Verstappen could have won. Yes, and should have won. Mm. Should have won the race. And, of course, it's pretty hard to win a race unless you're Lewis. Mm, yeah. Very few get up there apart from that man. So if you're facing a win, you probably want to um, do as much as you can to keep that option open to you. F1 On and Off the Track is presented by ProStarPix.com. Stunning F1 photos live from the track, searchable and downloadable for personal or editorial use. Head to ProStarPix.com at the end of this podcast. So going back, how is the paddock and pit area on the track here? Nice nice pit lane. Uh, Paddock is, is quite small. Nothing terribly flash in terms of hospitality suites. They're permanent. Uh, they've got a little couple of walkways over the top, but 
Um, starved for light is probably my comment because okay. they've got two stories either side and you get a couple of hours of light in the middle of the day, but otherwise you, you're pretty much shooting in shade. Do you prefer smaller paddocks or larger paddocks? What well, benefits do they have for photography? Well, something like China is too big okay. and it's about the size of 40 tennis courts, I reckon. You land a plane in that one. <laughs> and then you've got something like Melbourne, which is quite tiny, and this one is probably one of the tiny ones. I like, I like something mid-range. I like the Bahrain one. It's big, but it's got lovely trees with lights on it, and mm-hmm. it's at night. It, there's nothing better than that. Singapore's nice. Uh, it's not terribly wide. What else do I like? Oh, and Abu Dhabi is great, just great, especially the shots we get at dusk if you're in the paddock. And I got a beautiful shot last year of Charles Leclerc taking off his Alfa Romeo suit for the last time that I treasure, Mm. a really lovely moment to capture on not film but on digital card. So how's the media centre? I've got to think now. Uh, Brazil, media centre, where is it? It's a, it's a fair walk to the press conference room. I know that we have to – oh, yes, I know where it is. It's okay. It's nothing flash in terms of um, canteen. There's a couple of fridges with sandwiches thrown in there and you grab a couple of those as you come out. But it's a it's outside the paddock and downstairs, so you've probably got about a 100-metre walk to swipe into the swipe gates and probably a 200-metre walk to get to the press conference room. But I go through a lot of that in my – dinners that I do and I've got one coming up in Abu Dhabi that's still got mm. a couple of seats left and I'd love to fill them with people who love F1 who, who like stories behind the scenes what goes on in the paddock have a perhaps a, uh, an appreciation of photography because we go into a few aspects of that and if you're interested there are a couple of seats left and you can certainly go to kimillman.com and then look for the private long table dinners and uh, we'd love to have you you'll enjoy some great banter some good food and wine on the Friday night of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Of course, Saturday night's the equivalent of Sunday night there, so there's mm. not too much open, so I've decided to have it on Friday night. A good way to end the F1 season, I reckon. I think so. And, of course, the Sunday night is a great night to go out to the team parties because everyone's relaxed and mm. um, there's nothing the next day because testing, which starts on the Tuesday, means that the drivers don't have to get up early and they probably can have a drink or two. Now, last year you had a small encounter with a snake getting around the oh, track. I did, and I, I went I went the wrong way. Uh, I thought I was going to a particular corner, and I got completely lost. And I thought, oh, well, I'll just go along the fence here, and eventually I'll get to where I need to go. And I'm walking through this very thick scrub and thinking, oh, I don't know whether I'm going to step on something here. I have to be somewhat careful. And I was walking along and put my foot down and looked, and at that precise moment, a coiled snake saw me and took off straight back down its burrow. And it would have been no more than, it would have been less than a metre from me. And coming from Australia, I know pretty well that if you frighten a snake and it feels threatened, it's going to lash out at you. Mm. And I didn't have ankle-high boots on. I just had normal track shoes, so could have easily got my ankle. But thankfully it didn't, and I didn't even know whether it was poisonous. Certainly in Australia, snakes can hurt you and sometimes kill you. I'm not sure what this snake was and whether it, posed any real threat to me, but it certainly frightened me. When getting around the tracks, are there like signposts telling you which way to go? How easy is it to navigate to like, oh, I want to go to corner 16 now? No, it's uh, increasingly, it's very difficult. Sometimes you think, oh, well, it looks like I can go down here and you'll get halfway there and it just stops. You go, bugger, I've wasted that six minutes and you've got to backtrack and find another way. Uh, Look, the longer you've done it, obviously, 
the better you are at getting around. But certainly in my first year, asking people was real tricky because they say, oh, you just go under here and turn left and you try and get that right. And of course, you'd get something not quite right and you'd end up buggered. So uh, yeah, it's, it's a little bit tricky, especially with new tracks. Although I think I'm pretty good with this one. I know all the tricks and as long as they've got the same holes open, the same gates, um, we're fine. Of course, sometimes, sometimes you get a volunteer marshal who thinks they're doing the right thing and, oh, you can't come in here. And really, we can. And if, if we can't convince him that we're able to get in there, it's going to cause us some inconvenience. And mm. some of the photographers get quite antsy about it too and really get their back up and there becomes a shouting match and then people are called in and eventually it's sorted out. If, you've, if you're that vocal about it, you're probably confident and you're probably in the right. Park Fermé was a little rowdy last year with Lewis hugging his team and bringing down the barrier. Yeah, that was well, it's funny. You should, you, you've obviously done a lot more research than I have <laughs> into last year's photos. But I was standing um, front row near the corner of where the barriers are and he, yeah, he went and jumped in and then the next thing you know, the guys in the crowd in the other side of the Park Fermé fence all surged forward to celebrate Lewis's win and bang, everybody ended up on the, on the ground and it was quite funny to watch. I think I got shots of that too, didn't mm. I? Yeah. 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 With a wide angle lens. There's a great photo around the office here with Pierre Gasly laughing that I personally love. I think this is the race last year where you got it. Can you it tell was. us the story? Yeah, he was in Toro Rosso clothing because he was driving for them then. And of course, he's back in that outfit now. And it was on Thursday, I think, in the media day. And he and Josh Cruz were doing a video and they were getting him to say something that he didn't really understand. It didn't make any sense. And uh, at one stage, he just completely cracked up. And I'd been standing there for some time photographing him. And I got that lovely moment. And as you've seen here, I actually asked him to sign that picture, which he did, and put a little note on about uh, what had preceded that. But yeah, that's, that's the sort of stuff I like to shoot in the hope that something like that happens. Oftentimes, it doesn't. It just becomes a normal portrait shot. But if you can get them showing some personality, that's an added bonus. In fact, I, I, I must admit, I, uh, uh, Roman Grosjean now tends to smile at me and we talk occasionally when he's walking in the paddock. And last race, he came up to me and uh, I had the camera set at a 13th of a second because I was doing some other stuff. And he, and he made some funny gesture to me and I missed it. I got a shot, but it's all blurry and out of focus. And, and he said at some stage, oh, send that to me. <laughs> which I did this week. I said, uh, here it is. I nailed it. And, of course, it's an absolute <laughs> shocker. And he responded with ha, 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 ha. But, uh, yeah, I, I, like, I like it when they play up to me. Um, and they, they don't do that with local photographers because they don't know them. They don't know where the picture was going to end up, whether mm. they'll ever see it. But I'm fortunate in that respect that knowing some of them uh, well enough to talk to allows me to get perhaps a picture that others wouldn't or couldn't get. Now, can you tell us about your Lightroom presets that are for sale? Yes, I can. Um, I'm just finishing them up now. So by the time this goes to air, they will be available. But a lot of people say, uh, what difference is there between the shot that comes out of the camera and the shot that I post? And there is a bit of difference. And, and everybody would do some minor processing in perhaps Photoshop or in Lightroom. I, I use Lightroom because it's easier and I need to get through volume. I don't need to spend an hour on a photo. I'm, I'm not interested in that sort of thing. And these presets are fantastic for that. You just, oh, I do anyway, I just press a button, I look at a picture photo and think, right, that's suited to this preset, press the button, and it makes it pop. And I learned that very early on, that my images perhaps at the start were too bright and they didn't pop. Okay. So now they're a little bit darker and they do pop. 
and I'm happy to share that with anybody who's interested and who doesn't want to spend hours dicking around with Lightroom. Uh, as I said, Photoshop I've got no idea about, so you wouldn't come to me for that. <laughs> but uh, Lightroom is a very good program to use, and I think uh, a lot of sports photographers would be using that. And these presets just speed up your workflow, and they'll be available at kimelman.com, and they'll be promoted on my Instagram account, at kimelman. I've also noticed your video studio got a bit of an upgrade. Well, you've been working on it. You should notice that. <laughs> yeah, I uh, previously just had, as you know, a whiteboard and I hung a montage of pictures mm. on a metal um, piece of – or on a piece of metal. And that was my backdrop, which was all right. But uh, I think this is much better now. It gives me an opportunity to change the background slightly. Mm. So we've had um, one of our student, one of my – recording studios here in my Perth office of messages on hold.com.au swapped over to a video studio we've still got a little bit to work on or you have anyway on the audio side of things uh, but visually it's looking nice got some simple lighting in there that's nice and even and if you haven't seen what I'm doing on YouTube I'm I'm mainly talking about different situations so I, this week I've got a video on Friday going up about Valtteri Bottas it's mm -hmm. a driver profile so I'll talk about various aspects I've seen of Valtteri I'll then show photos to um, obviously back up what I'm talking about and then I've got another video coming out next week uh, about Nico Hulkenberg's last race I'm pretty sure it's going to be his last F1 race for some time and I've got another one talking about press conferences I've just recently popped one up about my favorite race and they're going extremely well on YouTube. Mm. Like I had 300 subscribers nine weeks ago. I've got 11,000 now. And there appears to be some appetite for this sort of video because I don't think anyone really focuses on the behind-the-scenes smaller stuff. Certainly you can see lots of stuff from the race and you know, there's plenty of that out there. But I think I've found a nice little niche that I understand well and I think I've got a, a bit of a feeling about what the public wants. Certainly the feedback on it is very positive. Mm. Well, thank you very much for your time today, Kim. Pleasure. I'm about to step onto a plane and uh, we'll be speaking to you next week, probably from my hotel after the race on Sunday night, which will be Monday morning mm -hmm. here in Perth, Australia. To see any of the photos we've talked about today, head over to ProStarPics.com. You can also stay updated by following Kim on Instagram at Kim Illman or seeing his latest videos by subscribing on YouTube. If you like what you heard today, please give us a review and remember to hit subscribe to stay posted for our next episode. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you on and off the track. F1 on and off the track was presented by ProStarPix.com. Stunning F1 photos live from the track, searchable and downloadable for personal or editorial use. ProStarPix.com. Head there now. <laughs>